Thanks for listening to the podcast from River's Edge Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information or to gather with us on Sunday, visit our website at respokane.org. We hope this message is impactful for you and others as we pursue the way of Jesus together. We have a, a dear friend here from uh, South Africa who uh, will be teaching this morning, and, and his name is Cam. And I said, Cam, how should I introduce you? And he said, well, just tell them I'm a random guy from South Africa. Uh, and we thought about it a little bit. And we're like, oh, that's kind of true. Um, K- Matt Karsh and I met him um, in South Africa about a year and a half ago. Uh, but he's more than a random guy. He's our friend, our dear friend from South Africa. So please give a warm River's Edge welcome to Cam, our friend from South Africa. <laughs> Thanks, thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Alrighty. Yeah. <laughs> I actually told him to tell you guys that I'm actually the leader of churches of millions and millions of people. Um, just to make me. Yeah. <laughs> but it's good. I prefer that one. Yeah. Let me just pray and we can start. Lord Jesus, we're just so grateful for you this morning and. Uh, uh, we just ask that you would be here by your presence, by your spirit, Lord. Um, come and meet every heart wherever we're at, Lord. I just, we just ask you, Lord, that you would be in this place. Um, we know you love us, Lord. We look to you this morning, Lord. I ask, would you come and speak to us in your wonderful name? Amen. All right, so yes, my name is Cameron, and um, we, uh, River's Edge is a part of Regions Beyond, which is a group, a family of churches, um, which is based all over the world. So there are hundreds of churches all over the world now. And that God's really began to form over the last, uh, I think it's about six or seven years that God has really started that family. Um, And that's really why Lorene and I, so um, Lorene, my wife, she was here, I don't see anymore. Oh, they've gone into the nursing room, but I'm married to Lorene and we have a daughter, Leah, who's just over two and a half years old, and then a son, uh, who's four months old, and he's actually half American, half South African, because he was born in M- Missoula, Montana, where we're staying. So that kind of blows my mind. Um, but we really, we, I grew up in South Africa. Um, we lived in the kind of central um, part of South Africa on the border of a nation called Lesotho. Um, and Lesotho was one of the poorest nations in the world at the time when we moved there. Um, and we own a farm that's on the border. So literally, like at the bottom of our land is a river, it's called the Caledon River, and um, if you cross it, you'll be in another nation, which is Lesotho. Um, but we're from um, South Africa, and in that place, we, um, my parents felt called to start a church among a people um, group called the Basotho, um, and God did amazing things in those times, and um, yeah, I had a privilege of kind of growing up in that, that space, in that place, and seeing what, what God did. Um, and Lorene and I, um, when we first started meeting together, over, but it became very clear in our hearts that we had a calling to the nations, that God was going to take us as a couple out of South Africa for a season or a time. Um, and we never in our wildest dreams would have imagined that would be the USA. Um, that really came as a, as a surprise, um, but God really had an amazing plan in that. Um, and we, so we moved to Missoula in Montana, um, the church there. I specifically help with the young people, with the youth work there, and just anywhere else I can help with the church. Um, we're from um, Revive Church um, in Missoula, um, which is also part of Regions Beyond. So we're looking forward to seeing you guys um, in Helena for the summit. So I don't know who knows about the summit, but we've got, yeah, we've got the summit conference coming up, and we're just excited to, to uh, meet you guys and meet brothers and sisters from Helena as well. Um, All righty, so that's kind of me. And um, no pressure, Cameron, I'm finishing off a series that's been going on for two years, so yes, all right. (laughs) But here we go. So we're going to start in, um, if you'll turn to Matthew um, 27, verse 57. And I'm going to read all the way to the end of Matthew 28. All right, so Matthew 27, verse 57. All right. Uh, When it was evening... There came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. 
And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were, were there. The chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, So we remember how that imposer, imposter said, while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people, he is risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers, go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from, from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the gods trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and them and said greetings and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him then jesus said to them do not be afraid go and tell my brothers to go to galilee and there they will see me while they were going behold some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place and when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep and if this comes to the governor's ears we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble so they took the money and did as they were directed and this story has been spread among the jews to this day now the eleven disciples went to galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go there, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Wow, what an amazing passage, amen? Yeah, I, as I kind of looked, Matt asked me to speak on this, I kind of looked and I thought, wow, there's so much in this, in this scripture. And really kind of um, just looking through it, I, I really felt God impressed certain things in my heart, which I hope I'm going to be able to bring across to you guys today. But really, what I'd love and my prayer would be for you today, as you listen to me, is that you are touched by Jesus. That he comes by power and by his love and by his kindness and his meekness, and he meets you exactly where you are at. Because the fact is, we're all in different places. Some of us are in, we would call, in good places. And some of us are in bad places. Some of us feel the full joy of life and we're kind of marching on and everything's going. But some of us feel the weight. We feel the loneliness um, and we feel the troubles. Some of us see the troubles. We see the world as it is and we say, how can there be hope? How can God make right this mess? But this is an amazing thing, brothers and sisters. Jesus is alive. He is alive. And he wants to meet with you today. In fact, he wants to meet with you every day. He wants to come and touch your heart. He wants to come and reveal himself to you. And it's as we open our hearts to him and we realize who he is, our lives will be changed. 
we'll be lifted out of the ash heap and called into much greater things and called into love. Um, we were living on a farm, as I told you, and asked to come and uh, work with the church in America. Um, and the first time they asked us, we actually said no because my wife was pregnant and I'd literally just committed to another year with my dad to look after his farm, which is what I was doing. Um, and I was like, oh man, what a great opportunity, I missed it. But it was right that we stayed. Um, and a year later, exactly, um, they invited us out again. Um, and we really prayed into it and we, we realized, okay, God is in this. And we started the visa process for us South Africans. It's really hard to, to kind of get anywhere in the world with the passport we have. Um, but Shane, the, the church were amazing. They stuck with us, and it took 11 months for our visa to come through. It was like such a long process. Um, but what I've realized, especially after probably being here about eight or so months, I came with this kind of anticipation of what can I give or how am I going to sow in a good way and a bad way. Like, yes, I want to do well, and I want to, I want to um, really step up and help lead this youth and help build this church and help honor God. Um, but at the same time, it was also thoughts like, will I, will, I, will I be able to do this? Can I actually do this? Will, will God come through for me? Um, am I able to build this thing the way I want to build it? Um, and what God's kind of shown me um, the last couple weeks and months um, is that he, has, he hasn't brought me to America so much to accomplish something or build something, um, but he's, he's brought me here to learn. He's brought me here to teach me things, to show me things about his very self, about who he is. Um, and I think as we're in, as we get involved in ministry or you're involved in a church, we can often get so um, hung up on what are we accomplishing or what are we building or how are we building it. But we have to realize that Jesus is always about calling us to himself. He's always about relationship. He's always about Come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me and I'll give you everything you need. And he makes that call to you today. Um, he calls us to relationship. And um, we're called to follow after him. We're called to give our lives to him, to, to follow, to, to entrust everything we have to him as the living Christ. He died, but he rose again. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. But he was resurrected, and we have died and been resurrected into new life in him. But it's an exciting thing. We're called by the living Savior, the living God, and he's actually here in our midst now, speaking and working by his Holy Spirit. It's like um, Leah, my daughter, often she'll, this actually happened the other day, but she'll say, Daddy, watch me run. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch you run. And she'll start running, but then she'll have this big smile on her face, and She'll be watching my reaction to her running, like, instead of watching exactly where she's going. So it's like this terrifying thing of like, okay, no, stop, stop. You know, you can't, you can't run like that because um, you're going to just run into a table. The one time she did, she, she just covered her eyes. I saw her. She came out of the, the room and she kind of thought about it for a moment. And then she covered her eyes like this. And she just started walking forward. And before I could even register what was going on, she walked into a table <laughs> and fell on her back and started crying. Anyway, toddler problems, but for Leah, she was running with her eyes kind of fixed on me. Bad idea in the physical, but the best idea in the spiritual and as a church. Um, we have to set our eyes on him, the only one who can save, the only one who can redeem us. And um, Reading this portion of scripture, I'm struck by um, a couple of things, but um, I'm struck by the humility of Christ, um, and I'm also struck by the different people we see in this story. Um, and that's what we're going we're gonna to just look into now for a moment. So, right. So, let's look at uh, verse 57. We, we hear about Joseph um, from Arimathea, and um, it says that he was a rich man. And uh, in these times, when the Romans crucified someone, they would actually leave the bodies for vultures and dogs. Um, generally, they weren't buried. And especially in the case of treason, they were hardly ever buried. Um, 
you actually needed a very kind of high up um, advocate to get the body off the cross to actually go bury it. And um, here we see jo uh, Joseph come, a rich man, um, and he, he goes to Pilate and he asks for Jesus' body. Um, and he was obviously a prominent man, and it says he was a rich man. Um, but he risked a great deal coming to Jesus and asking for his body. Asking Pilate, hey, can I please have his body? And not only that, he didn't only put himself um, at great risk by naming himself with the disciples of Jesus at the time, but he also gave up his tomb, um, his family tomb, um, which w is a real prize and honorable thing to do. So he honored the Lord Jesus by placing him in his tomb. And it says also that he gave him a linen shroud, a, li a linen shroud, and placed it around his body, wrapped it around his body. Um, in, in every way, this man honored the Lord Jesus. He, he gave of himself. He risked. He risked a lot to give himself, um, his Lord, a beautiful burial. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, I think in the word there's a lot of danger spoken against the rich. Um, if you read, I think specifically Luke, the Gospel of Luke, it speaks a lot about the dangers of, of being rich. Um, but here we see a man who lives out that um, being, being rich but lives out the beauty of surrendering that over to Christ and giving himself to that. So let that be an encouragement to, to some of us today that we can lay what we have down and use it for his glory. Um, secondly, uh, we, if we move on, um, we, we meet a second group, uh, the chief priests and the Pharisees. And um, they, they ensured that Jesus was killed and that he um, was hung on the cross. Um, and they, these were the guys who were telling everyone what they should do and how they should be. Um, what does it mean to be holy? What does it mean to follow after God? Um, what does it mean to keep the Sabbath? But here we see um, in the word them make, scheming and planning to make sure that Jesus doesn't rise back from the dead, that his body isn't stolen. And they them very selves break the Sabbath and don't obey it because they're asking people to work and they're planning and they're, this is on the Sabbath and they're getting guards to be at the, at the tomb and, and to watch it. Um, and their hearts are far. They're, they're missing they're missing the point. Even though they're called the, to, to share the law of God with his people, they, they're missing the point. Their hearts are religious, and they've, they've missed what Jesus was all about. They've missed what he was calling them to. And it's that religious heart, it's that, it's that, I, that idea that somehow we've got to make it happen. Somehow we've got to be better. Somehow we've got to pick ourselves up and make ourselves shine that we miss so much of who Jesus is and what he offers to us. And my prayer today is that many of us will um, be released from a religious heart and a religious mindset. And maybe many of you are like, whoa, that's not me, all right? I'm not there. Well, I can tell you for me, just based off my personality, if there's a spectrum, okay, uh, to kind of following rules and then kind of not following rules. You can kind of place this for yourselves in your own mind. But I would lean more towards the kind of rule following and kind of doing good and kind of like being good enough and, and being here. I'd kind of be over here, and I think that's from being a, the firstborn. I don't know, any firstborns here? I know Mr. Decent's firstborn, all right? We, you, you guys know, all right? We've had to deal with younger siblings. We, but... We've, we've got this ingrained in us that we're the leader. We've got to make it right. We've got to um, lead the way and be the example. And I think often we're robbed of so much because we forget about who Jesus is. He doesn't call you to add up. He doesn't call you to check boxes. No, he died and he rose again so that you could live a new life and you could live in relationship with him. All right, let's move on. I'm, I'm going to go kind of quick through just these groups. Uh, the third kind of group, um, and this just really touched my heart, and I think we just see the humility of our, um, of our, sa our Savior. If you see in um, chapter 28, uh, 1 to 10, um, I'm just going to read it again. Now, after the Sabbath, 
toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. Hallelujah. For he has risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell these disciples that he has risen from the dead. All right, I'll stop there and carry on in a moment. In these times specifically, um, in Jewish and Roman law, unfortunately, the way the world was set up, a woman's um, testimony didn't count for much at all. Um, Women couldn't really bring a testimony um, about much, and if they did, it was really hard for them to be heard in the society of that day. And uh, there's... I've read a, a couple of books about God's heart towards women in, that, in those times and those days, and it was so countercultural. And it spoke so much of who Jesus is and his love for us. But he chose Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to share the testimony of him being alive to the world. Who were the first people he chose? Who were the first people he chose? Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. He said, here, go and tell my disciples. Wouldn't it kind of have been better at least for him to appear to the 11 disciples and be like, hey guys, here I am. No, not our Lord. He chooses these precious ladies first to reveal something about his heart and something about his kingdom. A love and a humility and it's amazing. He says, go, go and tell, go and share um, the testimony of what has happened. And then something else happens here. Let's look at uh, verse 7. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. At this point in history, Jerusalem was the center of everything religious especially in those times in the Jewish faith. It was the center of where everything was happening. Jesus himself was crucified and died there. But it was really, the temple was there. That was David's, um, David's city. But Jesus chooses to meet his disciples and to send these precious ladies to Galilee. And Galilee was often called by the Jews um, the non-Jew city. Because there were many that came from Galilee who were Gentiles that became Jewish. But they were still looked down upon. They were frowned upon. It wasn't the epicenter. It wasn't a place that Jews really wanted to be or would want to go or associate for religious causes. But here we see Jesus revealing himself alive to these, firstly these ladies, and then sending them with the disciples to Galilee. And it was in Galilee where he was so uh, well, well received. And we'll see in Matthew 4.15, check this out. Um, this actually speaks of Galilee. It says, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, On them, a light has dawned. This was a place of darkness. This was a place not recognized. This was a place that people didn't kind of automatically go to or automatically assume to be great. But Jesus said, no, this is where I'm going to reveal myself. 
and we see the humility in the heart of our Lord. He goes into the dark places. He goes into the abandoned places. He comes to the broken lives and he restores. He comes to the proud and humble hearts and he, he breaks them up and he turns them into flesh and he calls them to himself. Um, for me, this really touches a heart, um, kind of a chord because where I grew up in Clarence um, was really the middle of nowhere. We moved uh, from Cape Town in South Africa, which is kind of an affu affluent city in um, South Africa. And we, we traveled about 700 miles north to Clarence, which was basically a small farming community um, with nothing going on there. And God very quickly began to speak to the leaders of the church and my parents about um, God doing an amazing work, that what would happen there would flow out into the nations. Um, and God took this group of people, um, poor, 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 and he planted this amazing, amazing church where he spirit, people would walk into the church and they, they would, it's almost like they would say, there's, there's a grace here. There's a presence here that I haven't felt before. It was like there were open heavens because God loves those things that are not. He loves those things that the world would say, this is nothing. What good can come out of here? What good can come out of here? What good can come out of Cameron? What good can come out of Matt? What good can come out of... He sees by his power and his love. He sees us. He calls us and he uses us. He causes us to be fruitful for his name. And that's what he did with Galilee. And he shows how his, his heart to us. Um, one of my favorite uh, kind of missionaries is uh, Hudson Taylor. Do you guys know Hudson Taylor, anyone? Okay, so he ministered in China, and an amazing man. Like, it's just, uh, um, he, God used him for great works. I think there's, there's millions and millions, like, and I'm not over-exaggerating, but there's millions and millions of Chinese Christians today in underground churches which can be attributed to the work that he started in the 1800s in China. Um, but what he was called to to minister there, it was a real tough road, um, but they, he had this, just this burden for China and he, the millions and millions that passed away every month into a Christless grave, that's what he always used to write and he used to print it and he would send it to all the churches in the UK and say, come, we need more workers, we need more workers. Um, but towards the end of his life, after they'd planted thousands of churches and seen thousands baptized and saved, a, um, a guy who was kind of, I think, writing about him or something like that asked him, uh, Hudson, uh, or oh, Mr. Taylor, uh, you must feel pretty grand or pretty good that, that God chose you for such a magnificent work. I mean, what, a, what an amazing thing. How does that make you feel? And he said, well, I don't know, I don't know about looking at it like that. I feel that uh, God looked at the whole earth and he searched all around it for the weakest, and most pathetic man he could find, and he chose me. And that's what God does. So if you're feeling low, or you're feeling broken this morning, or you're feeling out, know that the Lord is close to you, that he's calling to you. Not to just accomplish a great work, or be this, or be that, but to join him in relationship to sit with him. And we see here as he's risen that he could have gone up to, into Jerusalem and stood on top of the temple and done this amazing parade. Remember him going into Jerusalem before he was crucified? On a donkey? He went on a donkey with the palms? He could have done something similar, except now he could have been on a big horse and with the, all these disciples saying, we told you so! He could have done that. Factor was he's right, but he didn't. He was humble, and he showed a, a part of his heart, not only his heart, but the heart he wants us to have as well, the heart he calls us to be, to be to this community, you guys as a church, to this, to Spokane. It's such a wonderful city. We've really enjoyed our time here. Um, and then lastly, just looking at the last group, again, we see... Uh, 
we see the uh, Pharisees and the chief priests lying about what took place, bribing, doing whatever they can to make the situation right. And I think not to this degree, but a lot of us, to some degree, we do what we can to appear okay. And we lie about the truth because we want to just kind of fit in or we want to look like we're, we're good in the crowd or we're good at church or we, we lie to ourselves about where we are. And Jesus wants to bring you into the light. Not to shame you, not to break you down, but to set you free and fill you with joy and love so that you can love others. The greatest commandment in the Bible, we actually sang it just now. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And as we come into the light, He releases us to do that. So we don't have to lie, we don't have to cover up. No, we can confess and we can, whatever it is, I mean it could be a big thing or a small thing. Maybe just not being honest with where you're at. But just coming towards Jesus and I've had to do that a couple times in my life. And I'm like, Lord, I just don't have it. This is where I'm at. And he always meets you in that place. So I just want to encourage you. Um, if you're in bondage or if you're in a place where you feel like you're just not, you're feeling like you're having to cover up, the Lord wants to set you free. He wants to bring the light and the life and the joy into your, into your heart so that we don't have to be covering stuff up. I think it's so sad. These guys, are, they just make me sad. Paying people left, right, and center just to make sure they can cover up the truth. Meanwhile, they're the ones meaning they're meant to be bringing the truth. Jesus called us to himself. Through his resurrection, he called us to himself. And he is alive today. And he calls you. He calls you. Um, it's almost we, we often don't live in that reality. And we forget that we're not just part of another kind of religious kind of club. We, we're, we're part of something alive, something that God has initiated, something that God has sparked. I am passionate about the church. I love the church because I know it's God's plan, not only for reaching the world, but it's God's plan for this, that we can be together, that you can be here. Where would you be without this? Where would you be? Where would I be without this? I don't know where Lorene and I would be without the church. He knew exactly what he was doing when he created the church. And sometimes we get like, well, how should church be? Or how, da, da, da. But he calls us to be with our brothers and sisters. And it's just so wonderful to go into any city in the world Hopefully every city in the world. I'm sure there's still some cities we need to get some churches in. But, and know that you have brothers and sisters there. And it so encourages your heart just seeing a church in another setting and seeing what God is doing. But he calls us in. He calls us into his family. And I think um, many of us, we live with an orphan spirit, an orphan mentality. Um, Lorene and... Well, Lorene actually started reading this book by uh, Heidi Baker. I don't know if anyone knows who Heidi Baker is. Have you guys heard of Heidi Baker? Well, she just has like an amazing ministry in Mozambique. Um, they see, they're basically seeing a revival in Mozambique. They're seeing millions saved. Um, currently, that's going on. They're planting thousands of churches every year. Um, but it's incredible what they're doing. Um, actually, they have a story. It happened in South Africa. They were having a conference, and um, the conference had kind of just ended. It was They were kind of locking up the compound for the night, and uh, it was about 4 p.m., and a guy, one of the pastors there, Pastor Francis, he went out to lock the gate, and also there was kind of this group of guys who were just being silly, and they were kind of like a bit of a mob, and they were causing trouble and stuff. So he went out to go and confront them and, and lock the gate, and they beat him up so bad that he died that he, he, he just died. And um, everyone at the conference kind of ran out and they got his body and he was dead. He was just dead. So they made phone calls and they called the police and they said, could you come out? And they said, no, we don't go out to that neighborhood at this time of night. 4 p.m. in the afternoon. 
we don't go there past this time. So they called the ambulance and they said, no, sorry, we don't go um, to that neighborhood uh, at this time of night. They didn't have a car available um, at this place. Um, so they began to pray. And they prayed for Pastor Francis for hours. The whole conference kind of stopped and everyone, they were going to eat, they didn't. And they just prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And at 12 a.m. that night, boom, he was alive. He rose from the dead. He was alive. And his face was so mushed up, his eye was swollen, and his whole body was broken. And the first thing that he said that came out of his mouth was, forgive them. Forgive them. So eventually, they got a car, and they managed to push start it and get him to the hospital. And when they finally got him to the hospital, this was like early morning, like now, well, no, it was like late morning. It must have been like 6 a.m. the next day. Um, they got him there, and they, they couldn't believe he was alive, and they were kind of looking at him and checking over his body and stuff. And the police came and said, all right, we've, we've caught one of the guys who beat you up. What do you want us to do with him? Um, and he couldn't really communicate and stuff, so they went, to the, they went to the conference, back to the group of believers there, Heidi Baker and the crew there, and um, they said, well, we heard what Pastor Francis said, so let him go. Let him go. And they said, no, we want him in jail for at least 18 months for what he's done. You have to press charges. And they said, they prayed about it, they came back and they said, no, we feel that God wants us to forgive him. They'd literally just killed his friend in the midst of them. But they said, no, he was an 18-year-old boy. Let him go. He was the only one of the gang who was actually caught. Um, anyway, so they let him go. And of course, this boy was shattered. He couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe his luck. He couldn't believe what had happened. Uh, someone chatted with him, and he got wonderfully saved. Wonderfully saved. And now he's one of the leaders in the church there, and he's ministering to those in the gang. Um, but... It's because of what Jesus did, folks, that we can do these things. Where I come from in Clarence, there was actually a lady risen from the dead as well. They, she went to an old, uh, we had a thing called Silver Hope. All these old um, ladies would go and they'd meet and they would have food and stuff. And one of the ladies went out and just fell over and she was gone. And a group of ladies just, for whatever reason, I guess, decided now is not your time. And they started praying for her and she was clinically dead and she woke up. And they all got such a fright, they kind of like backed off and ran away. After praying, they didn't believe that it could actually happen, but it did. Um, but we have so much because of what Jesus has done, because of his resurrection, because of his resurrection power in us. And if we just go to um, 1 Corinthians 15 quick, it says this. Um, let me just find it quick. Uh, verse 14, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 15, verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are found to be misrepresenting God, because we testified ab about God that he raised Christ, whom he, did, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have, fall, have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. And it's through his resurrection that we have life, that we have power, that all authority has been given to us. And we're going to go, we're going to look at that now, and I'm going to close off in a moment. But it's amazing when we hear these stories, you hear the story of Pastor Francis, and maybe you've never seen anything like that. Um, but God does work in miracles when we're expecting them, when we're praying for them. There was a word brought in the prayer meeting this morning about, hey, I'm expecting for healing. What would it look like if we really expected God to heal when we pray for healing? And I think it's such a wonderful thing because as we pray for these things and we, we um, go after them, God will act among us to bring in, 
to bring in the lost, to bring in the broken, to bring in the shamed. Um, but many of us, we, we live with an orphan spirit. And Lorene was reading this book, and I, um, she said to me, Cam, you have, a, you have an orphan spirit. And I was like, yeah, I do. Because often I can pray for people and say, God loves you. God has a heart for you. God's going to heal you. God's going to prosper you. God's going to bring you through this time. But then when it comes to myself, I don't pray those prayers with the same faith or vigor. And I don't believe them in the same way. An orphan spirit, not realizing that I am now a child of God, that I've been welcomed into his household, that I am made new. And many of us, I think, in the West, we live with that mentality of, I haven't been, we don't, we don't realize how much God loves us, how much he set us apart, how much he, what he means when he says, you are now my child. In Luke 15 verse 31, this is the tale of the prodigal son, but, and he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that I have, all that is mine is yours. Just think about that for a moment. All that is mine is yours. And that's what the Lord says to you today. All that is mine is yours. All the love I have for my son, the Lord Jesus, is yours. All the favor that I have for my son, the Lord Jesus, is yours. It's like if God had a fridge in his house, if you were in God's house, which we are now, it's like had a fridge and he says, um, hey, you know, go for it. Everything in the fridge is yours, you know, if you want a Coke or Coca-Cola or what do you like, you know, go for it. Just open the fridge, whatever you see you can take. And who knows when you're in someone's house, sometimes you, you know, they'll say that, but you're like, I don't know if you really mean that or, you know, but then you, yes, I don't know if you really mean it, but then you start, you actually, then you start getting hungry and you're like, oh, maybe they did mean it. Okay, they meant it and you kind of open it and you check it out. <laughs> this is great. But, but we live with that in the kingdom of God. We're not, we're not at home in his house realizing that we can take things that he's given us that are rightfully ours as children of God. And that is all made possible through what he did on the cross and his resurrection. And it's true, if the resurrection didn't happen, we of all people are to be most pitied. But it did happen. Jesus is alive and he's called. That's why we're all here because we've been called. We all have our own stories, but we've been called here to this place right now in this moment. So I want to speak to you, any orphan spirits and just heart where you, you're just not receiving it for yourself. Be freed today. Be loved today. Meet him afresh today in his love for you. Um, okay. I'm so glad we're doing communion today because... Uh, I'm just going to, I'm basically going to finish off now, but I'll just ask you this question just to help us all. Do you anticipate communion with him? Do you anticipate communion with him? Well, what do you mean, Cam? When you come to pray or spend time with your Lord Jesus, do you expect to meet him there? Or is it just sending prayers up very high and far away? Do you expect to meet him in his love, his kindness, his gentleness? Because as we meet him, as you meet him, as you encounter him in your life daily, your life will be changed. Firstly for you, as you go through hardships, as you go through times where you're in the valley, your life will be changed, your perspective will be changed. Because he is alive and he wants to meet with you. So do you anticipate communion with him? Maybe next time you come to pray, you need to just for a moment before you even pray, just preach to yourself. Cam, have faith now. God has done everything he can 
in all his power and strength to enable you to step into his throne room right now and meet with him. Take that opportunity. Meet with him. I want to encourage you guys to meet with him, to change. If you've got into kind of a rut with your prayer life or maybe you're not praying, lay that all down and come with a new perspective that you're going to meet with him and that he's going to meet with you and he's going to minister to your heart. All right, I'm kind of running out of time here. But Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never, never thirst. Do we believe it? And that doesn't mean you now have to be strong or you have to have this pray, prayer routine. But do you believe that he loves you? That he wants to meet you? That he wants to touch your life? That he wants, to be the, he wants you to eat of him? He wants to be your true bread. Not just kind of a re religious kind of rigmarole or pattern, but he wants you to come and eat of him, be filled with him, and to drink of him so that your thirst may be quenched. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing he calls us to. All right, I'm going to finish off in a moment. And then we see... This amazing promise and command that I'm sure grips so many of our lives, but he appeared to the disciples and then he says in Galilee, and he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What an amazing promise. What an awesome promise. I am with you always to the end of the age. And you can take that for yourself. Um, in these times, actually, uh, the idea of making a disciple for the average Jew would have kind of been mind-blowing because that privilege was kind of assigned to rabbis, to those who were trained in the word and trained in this and that. But now Jesus is saying, you go. You make the disciples. I'm giving this to you. I'm giving this to you. It's yours. That would have been a massive mind shift for them. And God calls you today to make disciples. I, uh, I love uh, Ephesians 19, uh, 22. And actually, I'll, I'll read it, and then I'm going to ask us to stand, and we're going to land this plane. But uh, 2.19, Ephesians 2.19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And we need to raise our expectation for what God wants to do with church. Just generally, I'm saying around the world, but here in, um, in America, we need to raise our expectation because he's told He's telling me here that he's building us together so that we may be a dwelling place of his spirit. So that when people walk through that door, no matter what their background is, they experience the love and the presence of God. And you cannot leave that up to your leaders alone. You have to take up the mantle. You have to ask God, what would you have me do? You don't have to be a superhero. You don't have to get it all done. You don't have to be the top guy or top lady. But he calls you. He calls each and every one of us to build his church, that it may be a dwelling place. Something amazing is happening here. My dad always used to tell me, and I, I tell my guys this as well, who I'm kind of like 
raising up, but I always say, come to church with great expectation. Don't come to church with, all right, well, what are we going to have for lunch after church? All right, let's just get in, get out. You know, no. Come with great expectation that you are going to meet with the living God and that people's lives are going to be changed. Pray for the church. Pray for Matt. Pray for Tracy. Pray for other Matts and their wonderful lives, their wonderful wives and kids. Pray for them. But then pray for your brothers and sisters. Pray for the church because you have been called. You have been called to be fruitful. God has a plan for your life. You're not just kind of, this isn't an addition to your life. This is the crux of the matter, what Christ has called us to. Everyone has a part to play. Everyone. And you may feel like the disciples, uh, whoa, like we making disciples? We doing that? Yes. We're all together in this. We're all called to love. The second commandment after loving the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul. Do we know what it is? Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. As God fills us with his love, we send it out on others. And we send it out in his church. Alrighty. If we can all stand, I'm going to read one last uh, verse that I felt God just give me for this moment. And um, Lena, can you come and play? Thank you. It's Romans 5, verse 5. And um, I just feel if, you, if you're comfortable, just close your eyes. And if you're comfortable, just raise your hands. It's kind of a, if you're just wanting to receive. And but I'm just going to pray. I'm going to read this verse as kind of a prayer over you. And then just pray over us that wherever you're at, you can, you can receive. But Romans 5, verse 5. Um, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Thank you, Lord. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. He pours His love into us. He enables us to do everything He's called us to. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, I just thank you for your Son. I thank you that He is not dead, but He is alive. Thank you, Jesus, that you meet us where we're at. And now I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and minister in this place? Would you come and minister in this church, Lord? Would you touch hearts, Lord? Would you fill hearts now with your love, Lord? I pray against a religious mindset or an orphan mindset, Lord. I pray, Lord, would a, would a peace come and a knowledge, Lord, of your communion in this place? Would we be drawn to you, Jesus? Not to checklists or ability, but to your very self, Jesus. Would you minister in this place, I pray.